Hello, welcome to another podcast episode. And I still have a cold, which no doubt you can tell. It's been awful, coughing and spluttering. Good grief, I've been awake at night. The Fitbit watch the other night, it said I'd had three hours sleep. Three hours? I've been in bed about ten hours. Dreadful, absolutely dreadful. Luckily, Trish, my wife, she just snores through everything. Just gone completely. I was coughing and getting out of bed and spluttering and, oh dear. She just slept through the whole lot. But anyway, we had summer. Did you see the summer the other day in the UK? We had a week of sunshine, decent temperatures, absolutely lovely. Then the winter came back. I jokingly said last week, all this weather, all this heat we've got is very early. It'll end in tears. You watch. Next week it'll snow. And it did. We had snow and hail. Lots of it. We didn't settle. Well, it did for a few minutes. But snow and hail. It was like a blizzard. And I couldn't believe, looking out of the window, only last week, I was out there in my shorts, scaring the neighbours. But there we are. That's the UK weather for you. Now, the story. I know you're all waiting for the story. I'll come to the story in a minute. In fact, shall I tell you the story first, or shall I go through my notes. I'm going to talk about heating. I think I'll tell you the story first. I'm going to talk about heating. Several people have contacted me about this, uh, the, the gas prices, electricity prices, petrol, diesel, everything is going up. And some people are saying, they do they eat or do they heat? They just can't afford to do both. So I'm going to have a chat about heating. You know what I'm going to say, don't you? Heating back in the 1950s, when I was a boy... We didn't have central heating. We had frost on the inside of the window. That's true. I woke up in the mornings in the winter, frost on the inside of the window. I know the youngsters among you listening will say, no, you didn't have frost inside. Stone the crows, you'll be saying. We did. I used to scratch little pictures in the frost with my fingernail, write my name or draw stickmen or snowmen things like that inside the glass no double glazing anyway I'm going on about that and I meant to tell you the story right sorry if I sound out of breath all the time it's because I am I've got a puffer somewhere I've got an inhaler the trouble is with that if you use it too much I read on the instructions you can get thrush inside your mouth can you believe that I mean we've all heard of thrush but inside your mouth and I think that's what I've got because now my tongue hurts. I'm a right mess. You're thinking, good grief, I wish I hadn't started listening to him this Sunday. No, no, it's not all doom and gloom. Everything's going to be fine. Right, let's get down to this story before we get to the hour. And I haven't even mentioned it. Who remembers the record, um, Run Around Sue? Uh, I, I do remember. Here, uh, here's my story. It's sad but true. It's about a girl that I once knew. She took my love and then ran around with every single guy in town. Do you remember that? Run around Sue. Well, a friend of mine was going out with run around Meg. Um, we didn't call her run around Meg, but she was that sort of girl. I don't know why. She was a lovely girl. She was nice to look at. She was friendly. She was well-spoken. She had a good job. I think she worked in an office somewhere. She was a manageress. Where was it? I can't remember which firm. Solicitor? Anyway, it doesn't matter. So her name was Meg. But she had this roving eye. There were so many records, weren't there, back in the old days. What was that roving eye one? I can't remember that. Then there was, was it Lying Eyes or Cheating Eye? So many records about cheating and adultery and two-timing. Quite amazing, really, when you think how many records there were about that. 
Perhaps I'll make a list later. So this girl was well known for cheating on people, running around, generally flaunting herself, this sort of thing. We took him aside, we talked to him, we chatted with him, but he wouldn't listen. Well, we let him get on with it. You know, he wasn't going to be told otherwise, so he wanted to believe... What is it, looking through rose-tinted glasses? In his eyes, she was some kind of angel, and we couldn't change that. So he was going to have to learn the hard way. He took her to Spain on holiday. Back in this... When are we going back to now? It must have been early 70s. He took her to Spain. I mean, that wasn't cheap. Two weeks holiday in Spain at a hotel. He was really getting into her. And we could see what was going to happen. We all knew it. We tried to tell him again, oh, no, 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 you're just jealous because I've got her and you haven't. And believe me, we were far from jealous. She was the last thing we wanted. So we came up with a plan. We knew, or one of us knew, this chap in the pub, Dave. He said, I've seen her out with some other bloke. They were blokes in those days. What do we call them these days? Not allowed to call, oh yeah, a person, sorry. He said, I saw her out with some other person. <laughs> Got to be politically correct. Politically correct, my foot. And then he said something else then. So she was seeing some other geezer on the side. Not I mean, in it. No, Dave wasn't cold. Oh, listen to my cold. Dear, am I going to do an hour? Oh, I bet you're saying, oh, I hope not. Not like this. I hope you're not. Can you finish now? So what we did... We got Dave to follow her because uh, he didn't live too far from where she lived. He followed her. She met this bloke, this geezer in a pub. And, you know, they were kissing. In those days, we called it snogging. That's probably illegal to say that now. Is snogging an illegal word? Anyway, that's what they were doing in the pub. So she was obviously two-timing our mate, which was not good. Now, the plan was, now this wasn't my plan, OK, but the plan was, I think we all came up with it one evening in the pub, you know, after a few beers. Oh, we'll show her, we'll teach her. The plan was that I chat her up. Yes, I know. I know what you're thinking. Disaster, and you're right. Why me? I've no idea. It, it, it wasn't fair. I mean, there were, what, six of us? Why was it me? Anyway, it was me. I haven't told you our mate's name, have I? It was Neil. Yes, I forgot that. I do. It's my cold. I blame my cold. It's Neil that we were trying to protect from run around Meg. So one evening in the pub, she came in to meet Neil. He was a little bit late, so she was on her own. And I nabbed her. I bought her a drink, started chatting her up. My chat lines weren't very good. Do you remember the chat lines in the old days, the chat up lines? Goodness me, some of them were terrible. Absolutely awful. I can't remember what I said to her, but I bought her a drink. I suppose that's how I started. Oh, hi, Meg, you know, do you want a drink? Yeah, blah, blah, blah. And off we went having a chat. And I was just paying her loads of compliments. I remember saying, oh, Neil's a lucky chap to have you. You're beautiful, you're wonderful. Wish I had a girlfriend like you. All this stuff, you know, all this rubbish. I think I half meant it, actually, because she was rather nice. So I just carried on chatting her up. And she fell for it. She said, what are you doing whatever night? I can't remember, Friday night. What are you doing Friday night? So I said, no, nothing planned as far as I know. How about going out for a drink? She said, grinning at me. Here we are, I thought, that's it. I've tricked her, I've got her. My plan or the plan was, I go out with her somewhere, all the lads turn up with Neil and they say to him, now look, look, she's out with Ray. Now to save me being beaten up by Neil, who was rather a large chap, 
they were going to explain to Neil that it was a, a set-up just to prove that she was uh, a run-around, cheating, what's the word, young lady, that'll do. Now, do you think that would work? Would he believe that? No, of course he wouldn't believe that. He'd probably come over and hit me. It was a stupid plan. The plan went according to plan, in as much as I met Meg in this pub. We started having a few drinks, and they didn't turn up. Half an hour went, an hour went by, they didn't turn up. I was chatting to her, and I began to feel a little bit sorry for her, because she she started to tell me that she was sad and she used to get depressed because people called her a, a cheat, and I won't say what she said, but a cheat, and accused her of lying people and two-timing people. And she was saying, it's not true. And I said, well, you're here with me. And she said, yes, but I know what you're doing. You've set this up. So she wasn't daft. She saw through the, the ridiculous plan straight away. She was right, and I told her that. So I said, well, what are you going to do when Neil walks in, catches us together, having a drink? And she said, well, hopefully you've got some sort of explanation, and hopefully you'll tell him that you've set me up. And that you know, basically she she was perfectly innocent. Well, I don't know. I, I then started thinking, well, hang on, if, if she's innocent, why is she with me in this other pub? But as we chatted further, I realised how much she thought of Neil. She told me about the holiday in Spain and their plans for the future. And I then began to think that she really was innocent. And I mentioned to her about Dave seeing her in a pub with this other chap. And she totally denied that. She said she'd not been to another pub. She certainly hadn't been snogging any other any other lads since she'd known Neil. So I don't know where Dave got that from. I was then beginning to think that this whole plan is going incredibly wrong. And I thought it best that we leave the pub. So we did. We finished our drinks, went out to the car park. I'd driven and we drove a few miles to another pub, a country pub, well out of town, out of the way. And I started to chat to her there about Neil and about her plans for the future. And she changed her tune, which I thought was odd. She then started coming on strong to me. Oh, I wish I was going out with you instead of Neil and all this stuff. And I was thinking, now where are we? What's happening? What it was, obviously, now the threat of Neil walking in with the other lads had gone. She was safe. She could chat me up. She could come on strong to me. She could start an affair or something with me in her mind and not get caught. At that point, I just thought, right, this is it. I realised what her game was. I thought, that's it. I shall drop her off at home and tell the lads what had happened and have nothing more to do with it. I finished my drink, told her to finish hers and I was going to take her home. And she started crying. I thought, here we go. Yeah, I've seen all this before. What is it? Crocodile tears. Seen all this before. Won't work with me. So I just said, what's the matter? And she said, you've got all this back to front. Neil has been cheating on me. I just went and got myself another drink. I got her another drink, thinking she's mad. She's totally mad. Neil hadn't been cheating on her at all. I sat down with the drinks and I said to her, look, I'm not daft. I've been around. I've known girls. You know, I'm I'm really not daft. I know what your game is. And she said, no. She said, I'm serious. Neil has been seeing someone else all along. And she said, the chap I was seen kissing in the pub, he was telling me about Neil. And she said, it wasn't a snog. We kissed goodbye. We'd finished chatting and it was a kiss goodbye. That's what Dave had seen. I wasn't cheating. I was actually finding out the truth about Neil. Talk about 
weaving a tangled web, stone the crows. I didn't know what to think. I was just sipping my beer, wondering what on earth to do. She was quiet, I was quiet, and in the end, I just thought, I'll leave it. I'll just leave the whole thing. And again, I said to her, look, we'll finish our drinks. I'll drop you at home, and I'm out of it. I don't want to know it's between you and Neil. You'll have to sort it out. Then she started talking about Neil's ex-girlfriend, Jenny, who I knew. I knew about Jenny. I'd known her when they were they went out together for, what, a year or so? And it sort of fell apart. Neil had a bit of time on his own and then met Meg. She said that Jenny was the girl that Neil had been secretly meeting. Well, I hadn't seen Jenny for ages. I certainly hadn't seen Neil with her. But Meg got me thinking, well, I don't know. I know that he was really upset when he split up with Jenny. And he was quite uh, depressed. And whenever we saw him in the pub, he was morose. There's a good word, morose. He really was fed up. And it wouldn't have surprised me at all if, given the chance, he, you know, he'd go back to Jenny. That wouldn't have surprised me at all, any of us. In fact, we were all hoping that he would get back with her because he was so miserable all the time. Meg was telling me about the nights that he met Jenny secretly. She'd followed him and she'd seen them together. She'd seen them snogging, as she put it. So I said, well, look, if that's the case, why is he still seeing you? And she reckoned that he was insecure, didn't want to lose her. If Jenny packed him up again, if Jenny got rid of it, all this. And I'm thinking, oh, no, 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 no. I can't do this. I always liked a simple life, you know. No complications. That's impossible, isn't it? Have you had a simple life? If you look back, it's not simple, is it? None of it was simple. I don't know, with some people, they seem to, they meet each other at school. They fall in love. They get married, have 2.4 children. They have private pension schemes and they do everything properly and pay off their mortgage and they live happily ever after. And people like that really annoy me. <laughs> but there aren't many like that. No, they don't annoy me. Well, they do. They sort of have these twee lives, don't they? That's a funny word, twee, isn't it? Twee. Where everything's perfect and sweet and happy. And they've got a happy home and a happy marriage and it's annoying because people like me did all sorts of dreadful things in the past. And had loads of relationships. Well, no, I didn't. I didn't have hundreds of relationships at all. So where am I? Now, forget where I am in the story, you see. I'm going to have to get another uh, hot lemon drink, I think. And I know I haven't given you a weather report yet. I'm just watching the clouds come over the, the downs there to the north. It's getting blacker and blacker. In fact, when I woke up this morning, there were snowflakes. I saw out of the window snowflakes. I don't draw the curtains at night. I like to see the sky. And it was actually snowing. So we could get more snow today. Anyway, I'm digressing all over the place now. Going off at tangents and quadrants and all sorts of events. Let me just get my honey and lemon drink. And another box of tissues. And I will continue the... What is it? The continuing story of Peyton Place. <laughs> starring Constance McKenzie. Do you remember that? No, let me get this right. Starring Meg Ryan as Constance McKenzie. That was it. Mia Farrow... Ryan O'Neill. I'll go and get my drink, sorry. I don't believe it, as Victor Meldrew would say. It's snowing and the sun's out. There we are. That's the end of summer. Now, Meg, she was chatting to me and I was beginning to believe her every word, to be honest. All the rumours about her, there had never been any proof. I'd heard rumours that she'd cheated on people and she was a, well, with various words to describe her. 
And she said, none of that's true. And she said, you know why it is, don't you? You know why people are saying that, which I didn't. I said, well, if it's not true, why are they saying it? And she said, it's because I'm attractive. I'm extremely attractive. I'm very good looking. She's going on like this. And I said, oh, you're also very modest. We were getting on quite well, actually. She said, no, seriously, think about it. She said, people don't ask me out. She said, have you ever asked me out? Have any of the others ever asked me out? She said, I was the one that asked Neil out. He didn't ask me out. I thought about that and she was right. I hadn't known anyone that had asked her out. There's all these rumours. People kept away from her. And I must admit, I did sort of think, well, that, that sounds reasonable. I also thought I was probably being a complete idiot. She then said, why do you think Neil didn't turn up to catch me with you? Why did the plan not work? And I must admit, I was rather puzzled by that myself. So I said, I don't know, why? She said, because tonight, Neil is out with Jenny. I didn't know what to think at that stage. I just sipped my beer and wondered again what on earth I was doing in the middle of this mess. This kind of, what was it, a triangle, love triangle, eternal triangle, eternal mess by the sound of it. The more we talked, the more I realised that she was genuine. She'd been following Neil. She'd seen him with Jenny on several occasions. He'd been coming up with excuses, reasons why he couldn't see Meg. I can't see you this Friday. can't see you Sunday night. I won't be able to see you next Wednesday. She was telling me all this. And she said it was pretty obvious he was going out with someone else. And she said, not only has he fooled me, he's fooled you lot. All his friends, he's fooled you lot. I still wasn't sure whether to completely believe her because, as I've said, she had this dreadful reputation. But she was, as she said, she was attractive. She was extremely attractive. And I hadn't known anyone to actually ask her out. I'd known people like that in the past. Extremely good-looking girls don't always get asked out because the chaps think, well, I know what the answer will be. She'll say no, she won't go out with me. You know, she's looking for some drop-dead gorgeous chap. Or whatever the expression is. It, is that drop-dead gorgeous these days? Is that uh, in vogue? Another dreadful saying. I can't stand in vogue. I just thought, I'll enjoy a few drinks with her. I'll drop her off home. And then, que sera, sera. You know, whatever will be, will be. I'll just leave them all to it. Now, the pub we were in was, as I said, out of town, well out of the way in the countryside. No one used it, apart from a few locals. So it was a pretty safe place for dodgy couples to meet. The door opened, in walked Neil. I'm thinking, good grief, the lads have found me. Somehow they discovered where I was, and I was going to have to explain why I was with Meg. Then the bombshell. Neil was followed very closely by Jenny. They didn't see us. They went up to the bar, bought themselves some drinks, sat at a table, didn't see us. We were sitting in a corner. There's poor Meg looking really upset as Neil and Jenny are holding hands across the table. Of course, everything fell into place. Meg hadn't been lying. Neil was the one that was seeing Jenny on the side. Meg then shocked me. She called out, Neil, Jenny, come and join us. Of course, they looked over. Jenny's grinning and waving. And she left her seat, got her drink and came over to our table. Neil just sat at the table on his own with his mouth literally hanging open. He eventually <laughs> he eventually joined us. Jenny started chatting to us both. She said, I expect you've heard Neil and I are back together. 
And uh, I said, oh, no, no, no I, I hadn't heard. Neil eventually said, uh, what are you two doing here? And Meg said, oh, Ray gave me a lift here. Meg didn't have a car, she didn't drive. She said, I asked Ray to give me a lift here because I wanted to prove something to myself. I just wanted evidence and proof. And Neil's face, he said, oh, oh, oh and have you, uh, have you got that evidence? And she said, I have, I've got exactly what I wanted. I thought she was pretty good, actually, not to cause a, a scene, because in that sort of situation, I wouldn't have been at all surprised if she'd started screaming at Neil after only something like two or three minutes, five minutes, it seemed like hours. Meg said, could you give me a lift home now, Ray, because I've got to sort out something for my mum. And I just said, yeah, certainly, and we finished our drink. And we left to say goodbye, and Jenny was smiling and clutching Neil's hand, what a situation that was. It was incredible. The next time I saw Neil, he, he had to go at me. What are you doing there with Meg? Well, oh, are you seeing her on the side? You going out with her? I said, hang on a minute, hang on. I said, she knew what you were up to. And I said, uh, I told him about the plan. I said, we were all trying to expose Meg as a two-timing cheat and it turned out to be you. So that shut him up. There were a lot of other bits and pieces to the story I haven't gone into because it's quite complex in places. And it did involve a lot of other twists and turns, but it would take too long to go through everything. But that's it. So uh, tis a tangled web we weave or something, isn't it? I do remember thinking uh, many times during my younger years, I remember thinking, I don't think I want a proper relationship. I don't want a permanent relationship with a girl. There seem to be too many issues, complications, eternal triangle, love triangles, love cheats all this stuff going on. Do I really want a permanent relationship with anyone with all these risks around? She might be seeing someone else. I might be seeing someone else. <laughs> I don't know. But there we are. That's the story. The love cheats. It did turn out actually that Meg uh, wasn't at all, as she had said, she wasn't at all as the rumours had depicted her as. You know, she wasn't a, a two-diming, lying, cheating that word I can't use on here. She was actually a very nice person. And I did go out with her for a while, well, for a few months, I think. Neil and Jenny eventually got married. And the sad thing is, they later divorced. I don't know how long it was, a few years. They divorced, no children. So I don't know what happened there. Perhaps Neil had gone off with someone else. I don't know. Perhaps Jenny had. I've often thought in many ways, I'm glad I'm not a teenager anymore. All this love stuff, love and lust and cheating hearts, lying hearts. <laughs> it's quite good to be old because all that's gone. Well, it hasn't gone. I mean, I've still got my, my wife, my lovely wife, who has just cooked a load of, what are they, like lemon biscuits. They're like shortbread, little biscuits, but lemon. Really nice. And I think now she's making a cake. I keep saying to her, I've got a cold. The doctor says, feed a cold. And she keeps saying, I shall remember that if ever you get a fever starve a fever. Perhaps I ought to get a fever to lose some weight. Now, let's go back to the old days with heating. I was listening to a couple of people the other night having a chat. There were a little group of us, we just got together one of these nice warm evenings. And uh, this chap was saying, I wouldn't want to go back to the old days, it was dreadful. We didn't have central heating, we didn't have proper insulation, there wasn't double glazing. There was no loft insulation. Dreadful days. 
And I didn't join in because they were having a good old chat together. But I thought, well, I do remember those days. I was there as a child in the 50s. I remember Sunday night was bath night. You get out of the bath, which had probably, the water had probably cooled down quite a bit by the time you'd, by the time you'd finished washing and everything. So you stand up, step out of the bath. The room is freezing cold. And I mean freezing. You grab a towel, put that round you, a big bath towel. What we used to do was, as kids, run into the lounge, stand in front of the coal fire, which was usually roaring away, and try and keep warm as you dried yourself. It really was freezing, honestly. The bathroom was that cold. Now, this is true. Every winter, every winter, the basin waste, you know, the, the U-bend under the basin, that would freeze. So you fill up the basin with water and it wouldn't drain away. You pull the plug out, it wouldn't drain away. It was the U-bend under the basin. It wasn't the rest of the pipe out to the drain through the wall because there was no water in that bit. It was the water in the U-bend that would freeze. And what we did, we'd have to put hot water in the sink, in the basin, and let that sort of melt the ice. Then eventually it would flow. Same with the bath. You had to put hot water in the bath. It would start filling up even though you hadn't got the plug in then the ice would eventually melt and the water would run away. The bathroom was literally that cold. But that's what we were used to. We weren't moaning, oh, it's frozen in here. Oh, look, the, the bathroom's so cold, the water's frozen in the waste pipe. Burst pipes, especially in bathrooms, toilets, and up in the loft, there was no insulation. So even though any heat from the rooms went up into the loft, it still didn't stop the pipes freezing. Houses back in the 50s, were absolutely freezing. Yes, we had a coal fire in the lounge, but no heating in the bedrooms at all, or the bathroom, of course. I suppose it's no good telling youngsters that now because they they can't relate to that, can they? They wake up in the morning, they go into the bathroom to have a shower. It's warm in there. The whole house is warm. The hot water is instant. It's hot all the time. You don't have to wait for a, a tank of water to heat up. But I do think that people don't realise how well off they are today with, I don't mean financially, but all the the heating, double glazing, loft insulation, cavity wall insulation. I know people are constantly moaning that uh, we should insulate every house in the country, and they're probably right. And we are getting there, aren't we? Slowly, we are getting there. But good grief, I do think sometimes it would perhaps do them good to go back to the 50s and live there for a, a, a good long cold winter. What we did to keep warm, we had vests. We'd wear vests. Do you remember the Liberty bodice? The Liberty bodice had rubber buttons. I was forced by my mother, child abuse it was, I was forced to wear one to school, under my shirt, under my school shirt and tie. This is primary school. I certainly didn't wear that to to senior school. But it was a, a thick, kind of fleece type, I don't know what it was really, the Liberty bodice. It was a very thick vest. And we wore thick woolen jumpers. And they were wool in those days, not some synthetic rubbish they have now. We wore a coat. Even in the house, you'd wear your vest, a shirt, a good jumper. You'd wear some decent woolly socks. Even sitting there watching telly, you know, you'd possibly put, if it was that cold, if the fire had died down, you'd put a jacket or a coat on. I remember in the winter, sitting there watching telly, We'd have a blanket, us kids have a blanket thrown over us to keep us warm, while mum perhaps stoked up the coal fire. People can't, youngsters can't relate to that at all. 
even if you see it on telly, you know, films based in the 50s, it, you've got to be there to understand that. Of course, in bed at night, we were hugely, hugely warm. I had an eider down, you know, proper eider duck type feathers, eider down, and a candlewick bedspread and sheets and blankets. Honestly, getting into that bed was like, I don't know, it's like getting, once you've been in there a little while, it was like an oven. It was really nice. I remember my breath. I'm in bed, as you can see, you know, like the, the vapour, the steam or whatever. As you, as you sort of lay there on the pillow, you can see this, oh, it was that cold. Fantastic days. And I'll tell you what, it didn't do us any bad. We all came through it. If anything, I think it did us good. I think it built up our immune system. You know, we got rugged. Rugged, that's a good word, robust. We had to man up in those days in the 50s. Kids had to man up or freeze. Things are very, very different now. But uh, I enjoyed the 50s. I liked all that, all the snow and that in the winter. Go outside, get your clothes absolutely soaked, making snowballs and things. Then when you go indoors, you take your wet clothes off. No radiators to hang them on. No tumble dryer to chuck them in. They just had to dry by the fire. We had a clothes horse by the fire. Young Trisha's just bought me a homemade hot cross bun. Mm, that was really nice. I'm spoilt, you know, but I do deserve it. I heard someone on TV the other day saying, oh, these kids today, they, they haven't lived. They don't know what it's like. They're snowflakes or something. It's no good saying that. This chap was saying, oh, when I was a kid, we didn't have central heating. We didn't have this. We didn't have parents with cars to take us to school. No, we didn't. We walked in the snow or we went on bikes to school. We didn't have lifts all the time everywhere. But what's the point in moaning about that, saying, well, they don't know what it's like? Well, of course they don't know what it was like. They weren't there. This is their childhood now. This is their teenage years, their early adulthood now. It's no good saying, it's no good moaning at them, saying, well, you haven't lived. You should man up. We had to man up in my day, yes. Today, they don't have to man up. Technology's improved. Heating equipment's improved. We've got double glazing. There's loft insulation, cavity wall insulation. Things have improved in a lot of ways. I think they've also gone downhill in other ways, but that's, a, that's another issue. Anyway, there we are. I think I'm going to have to give my voice a rest and end the podcast here. I know it's only halfway through. Where are we? Half an hour. But I think if I talk for much longer, you'll probably fall asleep and I'll probably have a seized up voice altogether. I won't be able to say a word. Email me, raiserants at protonmail.com. Be good to hear from you. I hope I recover by next Wednesday's midweek message and, of course, the following Sunday's podcast. Have a good week. Look after yourselves. Take care. And I shall see you on Wednesday. Bye-bye for now.